Right now, we're on our way to Alabama. I know, it's been a few weeks since I've done another state, and I apologize for that. But I'm back, and now we're about to knock out another one. Alabama's a state full of mysteries, and apparently, sightings of strange and unexplainable things. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true Alabama horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Before we jump right into these stories though, I just have to take a second to remind you all about Chilling. For everybody who doesn't know, I have been in partnership with Chilling for just under a year now, and I want to make sure you take advantage of the free trial if you haven't yet. Chilling is the new home of horror, and an amazing mobile app that allows you to do things that are just not possible on YouTube, with hundreds of amazing stories that are sorted into curated playlists, or playlists you can make on your own, Chilling is entirely flexible and customizable. Chilling also offers its one-of-a-kind ambience menu. You can change the ambience of the background noise or music at will anytime you'd like without interrupting the story you're listening to. You can adjust the volume, you can even darken the screen, you can even download stories for offline listening. We cannot forget that Chilling offers over 800 stories Hours upon hours of content from monsters, gore, paranormal, thrillers, true stories, and more. And this is all completely and utterly ad-free. That's right, no pesty ads to interrupt your stories. So what are you waiting for? Come join me, Mr. Creeps, Let's Read, Being Scared, and many more of your favorite horror narrators on the Chilling app. Start your free trial today. It's only $2.99 a month after that. Oh, one last thing. The Chilling app is currently giving away an Xbox X bundle, which includes an Xbox disc version, an additional wireless controller, Resident Evil Village, and Elden Ring. You can find details of how to enter this giveaway with the link in the description down below. About 10 years ago, I was a heavy drug user living in a medium-sized city with a very high crime rate in Alabama. I was staying with some fellow users in a rundown seedy apartment in the ghetto, next to a halfway house. I'm also not some great big guy. I'm 5'6 and weigh 140 pounds now, and back then when this happened, I was barely breaking 100 pounds. Anyways, it was around 3 or 4 a.m. one night when I ran out of cigarettes. There was a 24-hour convenience store a couple of miles away from where we were staying, and I didn't have a ride at the time, so I figured I would just walk. I had gotten maybe a little over a quarter of a mile from the apartment when I heard a car creeping up behind me. I kept on walking, waiting for it to pass, but it kind of just idled slowly behind me. Now, as I said earlier, I wasn't in a very good life situation at the time and had either had dope or paraphernalia on me so I was paranoid that at any second I would see blue lights or hear a siren, and I would be busted. Finally, my curiosity got the best of me. I glanced around and saw that it was not a cop, but an older model, Oldsmobile Cutlass. Alarms started going off in my head, and I found myself suddenly wishing it were a cop. I started walking faster, and the car pulled up beside me. 
I looked over and saw the passenger side window was down, and there looked to be two cracked out looking guys, probably in their late 30s or early 40s, just kind of watching me. I was just about to take off running through someone's yard when I looked over and saw a flash coming from the passenger side window. At first I thought I had gotten shot, but then it occurred to me that it was the flash of a camera. Before I could process what had just happened, to my relief that car took off. My comfort was short-lived though. A little way up the road I saw that car had pulled up into a parking lot and parked facing me. I stopped in my tracks, looking at it and trying to decide what my next move should be. When I saw the car start to back out and head in my direction, across the road to my left, there was a cemetery surrounded by a wrought iron fence, which I first attempted to climb, but I couldn't make it over the sharp points at the top. So I jumped back down and ran across the road to an old abandoned field that used to be the local fairground. I had turned a corner before I jumped the chain link fence to get into the field and fortunately the guy in the car didn't see which direction I went. I hunkered down in some tall grass and lay flat on my stomach for what seemed like forever, but was probably around a half an hour, just watching the car creep up and down the road. Eventually I quit seeing the car and I assumed they had given up on me. So I got up and dusted myself off and called a friend to come pick me up. No way in hell was I going to risk running into them again. So my friend showed up and gave me a ride to the store. And on the way back, right past where the first car got behind me, I looked down this old driveway to an abandoned house and sure enough, there was the Oldsmobile, just ominously sitting there. I never ran into those guys or saw that car again. But then again I never really walked around after dark in that neighborhood again. I've racked my brain trying to figure out what their intention was and why they would take my picture, but I've never quite figured it out. If they hadn't been so cracked out looking, I would have considered they were just concerned citizens looking out for the neighborhood, since I too was extremely cracked out looking, but they were way too menacing for that to be the case, and if it was, why didn't they just call the cops? I'm also curious to see that photo, just as a reminder of how far down the gutter I was at the time, but... Not curious enough to seek those guys out. Anyways, thank you for sharing my story. This story takes place in the summer of 2017. My name is John. I live in a rural part of Alabama, but choose to work in the city. The drive is about 45 minutes or so depending on traffic. However, by the time I pick up my son from the sitter, get dinner, and get home, I've been in the car for about an hour and a half. My house is surrounded by trees and the neighbors are few and far between. It can get pretty lonely out here, but I enjoy the privacy. One evening, I pulled into my driveway and noticed something odd. The doors on my storage shed were wide open. I told my son to sit in the car as I got out to investigate. I didn't see anything missing and closed the doors back. I know the wind had not blown them open because it had two latches that must be open to get in. The next day, I looked around and much to my dismay, two weed eaters along with a few other garden tools were missing. I know I should have contacted the police, but I knew there wasn't much they could do at that point. Throughout the week I had some time off and decided to tackle some yard work that I needed to get done which included cutting down a medium sized tree that had grown next to my house. Once I cut it down and took everything out, 
I had to move it to the edge of my property, just inside the woods. I planned on cutting it up another day. Fast forward to the next Friday, I left work at 7pm, picked up my son, and we arrived home at around 8.30pm. As I pulled into the driveway, my son and I noticed something laying across the driveway. It looked as if a tree branch had fallen across my driveway. As I drove up to it though, I thought to myself, there are no trees over my driveway. Once I looked down and really got close to it, my heart sank to the bottom of my stomach. It was the tree I had cut down the other day. I had put it clear on the other side of my property until I could cut it up. I recognized the marking from my chainsaw. I didn't know what to do. My son and I sat there in silence for at least five minutes. I rolled the driver and passenger side window down just to get an inch closer and listen to hear if anything was out there. I didn't hear anything. I then realized for me to get to my house, I had to get out and move the tree. I told my son that I was going to get out and move it, just enough so that we could get past and I would lock the doors. If anything happens, he could use my phone to call the neighbor who lived the closest. I darted out of my car and moved the tree slightly out of the way. I darted out of my car and moved the tree slightly out of the way and raced back to my car. I was terrified. Luckily, my son was on the ready to unlock the doors for me to get back in. I drove toward my house and we got in safely, and I didn't sleep much that night. The next day, I woke up to find the tree was moved again, this time a few feet behind my car. To this day, I'm still baffled at who or what could have done this, or what their intentions were. Next time, I will be smarter and call the police. I do have another question that I cannot answer, though. How did someone know where I put the tree after I cut it down? Whoever had done this had been watching me. I had put the tree in the woods. The thought alone, enough, is keeping me up sometimes. It has taken me a while to write up this personal experience for you, mostly due to just being busy with other things. Though I will admit it's also due to a bit of fear. Not that you would bother me about the story, but about invoking other things to come back into my life. While I won't give you the specific location details, I suspect that a little investigation would lead you to the location. I cannot stress this enough. Do not contact the current owners. Just don't. From shortly before I was born until sometime in the mid-90s, I think 92 or 93, my grandparents lived in a small town outside of Selma, Alabama. The town they lived in was rather well known due to having several antebellum mansions in it. One such mansion was my grandparents' home. The property had been abandoned and largely forgotten by the time my grandparents had bought it in the 1970s, and my father spent much of his free time restoring the home. I cannot say specifically how long, but I know that it had been empty for at least a decade at the time of purchase. It took my dad and grandfather several years of working on their own to restore the home, as well as adding some new modern fixtures and other upgrades. My grandmother, for her part, filled the home with various antiques, most of which dated around the period of the home. Due to its age, the home was on the historical register, and would later, after they sold it, be turned into a bed and breakfast, though I don't think it is such now. 
Whatever the case, paranormal experiences seemed to happen weekly there, even during when my grandfather and father were restoring the home. Some stories I remember offhand were his seeing something white and see-through sweep across the front hall one night while they were working on the property. They made sure to double-check everything before locking up, but they never did find anything. He passed it off as the wind catching a painting drop cloth, though he would admit reluctantly there was no wind, and he had not started painting quite yet. My grandmother related hearing footsteps come halfway down the main staircase one day while she was on the hall phone, only to have those steps turn and go back up the stairs slowly. Doors would randomly lock and unlock themselves, various things getting moved around or just went missing in general, and there was an overbearing sense of just being watched in the home at all times, especially in one room at the corner at the top of the main staircase. That room at the top of the stairs was the center of the most activity. Even though the last owner, an elderly woman, had died in another room. Personally, that room always bothered me. I always felt like something was watching me from it. Something was angry that didn't want me there. Only if the door was closed, could I walk past it. Otherwise, I would go out of my way to simply avoid being there at all. There were two staircases that led down the hallway and downstairs. My half-brother related a story from around when I was born, when he was checking the property for my dad one afternoon. While walking around outside it, he stated that he got the distinct feeling that he was being watched. Looking up at the darkened house, he saw the face of an old man staring back at him from a window. The window happened to be in the room which I had problems with. After the property sold, I spent a week at the bed and breakfast in 2000. I specifically told the owner to put me in any room other than the one at the top of the stairs, to which they stated they had quit renting it out anyway. The door was now permanently locked, from what they seemed to say. Apparently they had numerous people who, after renting that room out, would simply check out and leave. None would give a reason for their sudden departure. While I stayed there, I spent most of my time visiting people who I had kind of grown up with and such like that though we had moved away when I was just a child. We did still go back on a regular basis. We saw some places in Soma, when my father had worked, and only returned to the house to sleep. One afternoon, maybe a day or so before I was set to leave, I sat down to dinner with the host and hostess. The conversation turned to my history with the home, and some of the strange experiences I had over the years. When the subject came to the room at the top of the stairs, and what my half-brother had personally witnessed, the host and hostess shared a look of absolute disbelief before the man cleared his throat. He said that what I told them was on par with what they themselves had experienced, though they noticed that they believed that they knew why the disturbance had originated. During landscaping work in the rather large, about five-acre backyard, they were forced to cut down one of these ancient oak trees that were there. In the roots of the tree, they found the remains of an unmarked grave. This prompted further investigation, upon which they discovered no less than six more unmarked graves there. The remains were moved to a local cemetery, but were quite badly beat up. And, while they wouldn't, and they refused to go into detail, tell me much of what they found there outside of that, 
They did make it quite clear that it was their belief that the unknown cemetery was directly tied to the spirits that were in the home. They also related one final ghost experience that makes me smile. I know this is the kind of thing that shouldn't, but it does. They note that the large barn which my grandfather built, it wasn't original to the property, it was apparently haunted. However, the ghost seems to just come and go on its own free will, and hasn't really done anything overly spooky. Rather, from time to time, people in the barn have noticed a distinct sound of old country or gospel music that sounds like it's being played on an old record player that seems to be centered around a small office located in the interior of the barn itself. The reason this makes me smile, well, that wasn't an office. My grandfather had built that little room, put a small cot in there, and a record player, where from time to time he would take a nap while listening to his records. He was the happiest when he was puttering around in his barn usually with my grandmother at his side, while listening to those records of his. I can't help but feel that now that he has passed on, he went back to the old home he was happiest at. I guess it goes without saying he and my grandmother didn't want to sell the old home. Some of the family effectively forced that to happen, and, well, the fact that my grandfather and grandmother didn't live long enough after it sold makes me seriously feel the sale was directly tied to them dying in some manner. Now, as I said... As far as I know, the place is still very active on the haunting side. It is also a private residence now, so you might as well have a general idea of where the home is, but by no means you should not contact the current owners. I haven't done so since 2000 myself, and I do not know if it's still an Airbnb or not, and even if it is, I doubt the owners would want to become a ghost attraction. Anyways, thank you so much for sharing my story, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Let me start off by saying that Alabama is a weird and wonderful place. Sure, we have a sort of redneck vibe going on, but the state is actually a very beautiful and nice place to live in. The state is no stranger to paranormal events, especially in the UFO and alien category. An example of this is the Falkville Metal Man. Interesting story there. Anyways, this experience came from my sophomore year of high school. At the time, movies like Guardians of the Galaxy and Interstellar sort of put my interest into space. I would periodically lay out in my backyard, listen to music, and gaze up at the stars. Just sitting there imagining what goes on up there. Just relaxing. Occasionally, I would see a moving star, but would always attribute those to planes. Except, this one star was far off from a plane. And I, for some reason, just kept my eyesight on it. It was going west, when suddenly, it instantly changed directions at a 90 degree angle, then started going south. I was confused, so I kept staring at it. A few seconds later it changed directions instantly again, and this time it was going west. Only after it changed course it revealed itself to not be a star. Something appeared behind the star. It was oval shaped, glowing orange and was massive. It made no noise and started glowing extremely bright. I sat there in disbelief and kept my gaze on it. It looked like upon further examination that the star was in front of some sort of aircraft. It silently moved across the sky over my house and then suddenly just disappeared. The star was still there and it was still moving. I was sitting there intrigued, hoping the craft would glow again, 
but the star soon faded into the night sky and disappeared itself. I ran inside and asked my family if they saw anything, assuming they would be considering the thing in the sky was glowing extremely bright. However, none of them saw anything. I wrote this down in my journal, which I had used to recall all sorts of weird paranormal events that I either research or experience. What makes the story weirder is that an hour later, military aircraft were out all over the sky. I don't know if that's normal, and we do sometimes see airplanes fly over our house, but never this many. There were dozens of airplanes, all seemingly scanning the sky. I've never told anybody what happened. My friends wouldn't believe me considering I come from a conservative environment, where people would scoff at the idea of anything outside of Earth. I still don't know what I saw that night, but I'm pretty sure it was a UFO. So some backstory. My grandparents live in an antebellum mansion in Alabama. We would travel there on a rather regular basis whenever my dad had vacation time or I was out of school. From time to time, my father and grandfather would head down to the back roads or just various places and just go for fun car rides. It was interesting and relaxing and we just talked all kinds of random stuff while exploring these very rural areas. A couple of times we would go to the old Cahaba to wander around the abandoned city. In any case, on one such ride I remember we had turned down this one back road and were coming up on the railroad. I loved and still do love trains, so naturally I was hoping we would see one. As we approached the crossing there was no train, the car bumped across the grade and started down the other side, when I noticed something on the left side of the car. Looking out, I saw something that I can only describe to this day as some sort of demon. Across the tracks and back in the weeds, there was an old wooden train station. The station looked to have seen better days, being severely run down and dilapidated. At the far end of the platform, there was a tall wooden water tower, and just in front of it sat an old wooden boxcar. I remember talking about that with my parents and everyone in the car, but apparently I was the only person that saw it. I even drew what I saw when we got home, but no one else remembered seeing anything of the sort. Years later, after my grandparents sold the old mansion and moved to Florida, I found myself taking a vacation in the old area. I wanted to see the old mansion again. It had become a bed and breakfast at this point and to explore my old stomping grounds. I spent several days just going around and recording various places for my parents, as well as doing some personal ghost investigating. I did everything I could to track down the station, took a near infinite number of back roads, and not once could I find it. I even headed to Selma to check out the city's records, but even then I couldn't find any such evidence of the station. This place stood out in my mind. Even now it stands out. I know what I saw. I know that there was some sort of demon crouched in those reeds outside of that station with red glowing eyes. I know there was something there. This, as well as a few other details I've not listed here, puts the existence of that station somewhere between 1865 and the early 1900s. I don't know. I definitely know I saw it, and maybe it's one of those things that travels through some sort of dimension. 
One thing I was able to see is that there was a train station demolished 30 years prior to me even being there. And what I don't understand is, how would I be able to see the ghost of some sort of building? Is that even a thing? Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true Alabama horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button, as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that's very helpful to the swamp. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to give this a 5-star rating over there, as it helps us a ton. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's a story from your home state or something different, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, as stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories absolutely free, you can download them from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you're not aware, I recently started streaming over on Twitch. You can find me over there under Swamp Dweller YT, all one word, or by using the link you can find in the description. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of all that, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you wearing some cool Swamp threads. Don't forget to comment down below letting me know what story tonight was your favorite. It helps me pick better ones in the future. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.